Yo Exchange, what's up? <laughs> Yo, it's good to see y'all. So happy to be here on a Tuesday. If it is your first time, like Lindsay said, we love that you're here. We love that you decided to come on a Tuesday. You know, you could have been anywhere else, but you here. You know what I mean? So today, I just wanted to take this opportunity to talk about the sun. I like the actual sun. Like, I know we know a little bit about the sun because we live in Florida, and it is the sunshine state. And in the summer, you know, we're about to come up on it, and it's hot, and it's sticky, and it's just glorious. Don't we love being Floridians in the summer? Like, it's great every other time of the year, but the summer is a special time. We just have to give God thanks for how close the sun is to our state. Like, God forbid you have a job interview in the middle of the summer, and you have to pray that the walk from the car to the inside of the building, you don't come out looking all extra sweaty. They're like, oh, we can't hide this person. They got a sweating problem. You know what I mean? I'm from Ohio, and my relatives think it's so cute to live down here. They're like, oh, my gosh, I want to come visit you in Florida. And then they come down here, and, like, my uncle was here a couple summers ago, and he was like, how do y'all breathe? Because it's so humid. Like, it's like drinking air. Like, I don't know if they don't do that anywhere else, but we do it here in Florida. I mean, when I was in high school, I did this thing over the summer called drum corps. And basically what it is, it's a summertime marching band. And if you know me, you know I don't play no instrument, right? I was out there tossing a flag. I was dancing. I was running across the field, you know, tossing flags, sabers, rifles. And it was a great time. But the thing about drum corps is it's an outdoor sport even in the middle of the summer. It doesn't matter what the weather was like. As long as there was no lightning, we were out there. 90 degrees, 100% humidity, we were out there, okay? So there was one time where, like, the director, he was so exasperated about the sun being so hot. He was like, everybody, turn your attention to the sun. Point at the sun and say, forget you, sun. And he said some more colorful words, but we're going to say forget you. He said, forget you, son. And all 2,200 of us are like, forget you, son. And the son was like, oh, did somebody say my name? Y'all say turn it up. Yo, it got hotter. I was like, yo, the son is not playing with us. And there's no way that, like, it doesn't matter how cool you think you are. You think you, you're zen. You think you're peaceful. Like, you go out in the sun, there's no way that you're not going to be affected. There's no way that you're not going to sweat, okay? Your skin starts to toast. For some of us in the room, we experience this thing called sunburn. I don't know what that's like. But I feel y'all, I feel for y'all who do. You know? <laughs> you get thirsty. You get lethargic. You hear the spirit of Nellie in the distance singing hot in here. And there's no way you can encounter the sun in its full power and just go about your day unbothered, unaffected, and just like, la, 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 this is fine. Well, tonight I came to tell you that just like the sun on a hot day, there's no way that you can encounter the sun of God and go unaffected. There's no way that you can encounter Jesus and not be transformed. Is there anybody in here who's been transformed by Jesus? Yeah. There's a couple of us. So if you haven't, you know, it's great. So I came to tell you a little story about what that's like. Our story today is going to come from the Bible, of course, because it's a great place. In John 4 specifically, I want to tell you about a woman. And speaking of hot, sunny days, she encountered Jesus on a hot, sunny day. This story I'm talking about is commonly known, especially if you've been in church a little bit. It's known as Jesus and the Samaritan woman, also known as Jesus and the woman at the well. 
So basically what's happening at the beginning of the story is that Jesus and his disciples, they've been working, right? They've been baptizing people. They've been healing people. They've been saving lives. And they didn't have cars back then, so they were walking everywhere. And at this point, they were tired, okay? They were extra tired. Jesus was like, all right, disciples, go get some food. I'm going to rest here because he was doing most of the healing, duh, so he needed to take a break. Okay, so this is where we meet Jesus in verse 6, okay? John chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Jacob's well was there, and this there you're speaking of, uh, they're speaking of is Samaria, okay? Jesus, this is not, there it is, amen. <laughs> Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said, Please give me a drink. We're going to keep going. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making— This is still not—you know what? It's okay. I'm going to just read it from my notes over here. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So this woman was shocked that Jesus was speaking to her. And there's a couple reasons that she was shocked. She had, I mean, she had good reason to be. Like we see in the text there, it said that Jews did not associate with the Samaritans because they believed them to be unclean half-breeds who had a false religion. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. Like, it's funny because in today's tech, like, society, we hear, like, good Samaritan. We think good things about Samaritans. But in that day, they did not. Okay? It was common for Jews that even in their prayers, they would include, they would be like, God, please bless my family and all also, please forget the Samaritans when you come back to get everybody. Like, they would pray that God would not remember them when he came back to get everybody. That's how much they hated them, okay? Second, Jesus was a rabbi. Uh, he was a religious leader. And at the time, religious leaders did not speak to women in public. They definitely didn't speak to strangers they didn't know who were women, but they didn't even speak to their wives, their daughters, their sisters in public, the, the people who were the most strict. So in third, it was the middle of the day. And just like in Florida, we don't be going outside in the middle of the day to do anything. Same thing happens in Samaria when it's the middle of the day. Usually people aren't there at the well. That's why she was there. That kind of gives you a little, a little note about her character. So she expected to be alone. <laughs> she not expected not to see anybody. And then she encounters Jesus, and he's talking to her. All right, so we'll keep going. And verse 10 says, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. So Jesus uses this opportunity to engage the woman. Clearly, she needs water, right? She's at the well. And he's like, If you ask me, I would give you living water. Like, he meets her right where she's at, right in her need. And he wants to give her better than even that she came for. She just needs water, and he wants to give her the upgraded living water. Her immediate need is physical water to drink, but Jesus has her going for more. I mean, the same is true for us. Jesus engages with us in the place where we have needs. I mean, this is where I met Jesus. I met Jesus in the middle of a need. I was battling anxiety. I was in a really dark place of my life. And that's where I reached out and I needed Jesus to meet an immediate need in my heart. So what is the immediate need of your heart right now? Maybe it's a job. Maybe you just got laid off or you just graduated or you're about to graduate and you're like, I don't really know what the next step is. Or maybe your immediate need is a relationship. Maybe you're looking around, wondering where your future husband or wife is. I mean, we just finished that relationship series, and you're like, God, I'm ready, but you don't see nobody yet. Or maybe your immediate need is peace, like mine was, and you were dealing with anxiety or depression or loneliness, 
and you need God to come into that and, and give you some relief and some healing. Or maybe you're looking for purpose, and you're thinking there has to be more than just working five days a week, then spending two days in front of the TV in, on the weekend, and then wash, rinse, and repeat. There has to be more than that. Have you sought Jesus for these things? Was your first thought to seek advice and comfort from a friend or a family member, or maybe you Googled it, or maybe you went on Tinder or Hinge or Bumble trying to find some purpose, trying to find some relief, and you didn't take it to the throne first? Let me tell you, there's a time that I needed Jesus to come into a situation into my life where I thought I had it, like I thought I was fine. I was a server and a bartender. I worked for a popular restaurant, and the, the, the management just started to get a little crazy. And this was in November of 2019, and so I was like, man, I need a new job. So I started applying for jobs, putting my applications everywhere. If you know me, I went to culinary school, right? So I've worked in the kitchen. I was a bartender. I was a hostess. I was a server. I had the qualifications to literally do almost any job in a restaurant, and so I put my application out, and not a single person called me back. I put several applications out and no one was calling me back. And I was just like, okay, God, listen, I'm qualified for these jobs, but I don't know why nobody is reaching out to me. So God, I pray that you would just close the doors that are not for me. You can, obviously you're closing some, so continue to keep closing them and then open the door that's for me. Fast forward to January and I met a girl here at church and uh, I met her, I knew her kinda, and then I know Chrissy, and Chrissy follows her on Instagram, and Chrissy was like, hey, I saw that this place is hiring, I know you're looking for a job, try to go interview, interview there. I had no intentions of being here because this place is a florist, okay? I don't know anything about flowers when I got hired. I didn't know a single thing. <laughs> and so I walk in, and it's for a customer service job, and I'm like, I've been a server, I know how to talk to people, right? I got hired on the spot. So. I decided to cut back my hours at the restaurant. I was still working like one day a week, but I got hired at the florist in January, and in March of 2020, all the restaurants shut down. I would have been jobless. My income would have been interrupted. But because I asked God to open the proper door, my income was secured. My job didn't shut down when everybody else was shut down because we were protected because it's agriculture. We were still able to operate under and under the quarantine rules. So are you leaving the door of your heart open so that Jesus might be able to come and meet those needs or are you busy filling it with empty endeavors? Like, have you ever been hungry? I, I, I know y'all all been hungry. Don't say no. We, <laughs> I know you've been hungry, okay? But yeah, there's a specific situation where you're hungry and there's nothing but like junk stuff around. There's nothing but like cake and donuts around. And you're like, okay, well, I'm hungry and that's the only thing to eat. So you eat like until you're physically full, but like then you start feeling gross. And it's because you filled yourself with empty calories. Like you were physically full, but there was nothing nourishing in there. And you became hungry almost immediately after. There's the same thing that happens with our spirit. If we start to fill our spirits with junk, we are immediately thirsty for the next thing coming, the next gratification coming, because it wasn't anything of substance that filled our spirits. We need Jesus to come in and nourish our spirits so that we might be able to be actually filled. So we continue in the story, and the woman, <laughs> this is funny, she's like, listen, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and she's like, and this is very deep, 
And where do you get this living water from? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? You think you can offer better water? Like, this is how, this is how I read it. It doesn't say the woman sassily said, but that in the Tate translation, that's how I read it. Okay? <laughs> the woman questions Jesus. She points out everything wrong with what he's proposing. I mean, that sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? I mean, we've not been standing at a well next to Jesus, but we've like, Jesus, Jesus. Now, level with me. How are you going to provide me peace when my job is understaffed and I'm doing the job of three people and my manager is a crazy person? Or, or Jesus, Jesus, how are you going to love me? How are you going to tell me that you love me and my parents who gave birth to me didn't love me? But Jesus, how are you going to give me fulfillment when what I really want to fulfill me is a husband or a wife, and you haven't given that me my heart's one desire? How many times have we looked at our situation and not looked at God? She was looking at her circumstance instead of looking at the one who heals and provides a way when there seems to be no way. How many times do we look at God and what, what he gave us, and we're like, mm, I don't know, God, I don't know if you can do that. God told us to give our lives to him, and we're like, ah, but I'm too dirty. Or God tells us to go seek and save the lost, and we say, God, I don't have enough words for that. I'm not eloquent enough for that. He tells us to show love, and we show him our broken home where we came from and say that we were never shown love. God does not call you to be worthy. He calls you to be willing. I don't have enough time to tell y'all all the people he has used who were not worthy of the calling that he gave them. We, weren't, we aren't worthy of most of the things that God calls us to be. But he calls us to put our hearts in a posture so that he might be able to fill our lives. He asks us to be faithful enough to come to him with our imperfection so he can turn it into something great for his glory. And sometimes he does it on purpose. He knows that you're not equipped. And he puts you in that position so he can make it abundantly clear to us that he was the one who did that and it was not of our own will. Sometimes we have to put ourselves in the situation that might be uncomfortable so we can see God come through. So Jesus replies to her, <laughs> to her sassy response. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. This is just like Jesus, to give you like a metaphor. Like he always gives it a parable. <laughs> He's like, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. She says, please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. I mean... If you look back at verse 10, Jesus calls it living water, but in this verse he says it's a fresh, bubbling, lively water, okay? So this living water is different than the water she's been getting. The water in the well has been sitting. It's stale. It's old. It, she's getting it with this little jar that she's been getting it probably for the last 30 years of her life, and it's got old water stuff all in it. Jesus wants to provide her with water that is alive, that is totally different. One that's not physically satisfying, but spiritually satisfying. Of course, she was quick to accept this water because, like, if she could quench her physical thirst forever, she wouldn't have to lug her jug up this mountain and come to this well in the middle of the hot day and have to come get water every day. She's not really seeing Jesus' point, though. She's still thinking about <laughs> her immediate physical need. And sometimes all we want is for Jesus to fill our immediate physical need. And sometimes that's where he meets us, but that's not the last place he wants us to go. 
He wants us to go deeper than our surface level needs because there's always another need. You know, you reach a goal and there's always another goal. You've reached the apex of your career and there's always somebody who's better than you and you're trying to get their job. There's always another need. So Jesus keeps going. He responds. He's like, all right, go get your husband. Jesus said, and she goes, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, hi, you're right. I'm just kidding. Sorry. That's how I read it. Jesus says, you are right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living now. I'm sure Jesus said much nicer, but. And then he said, you certainly spoke the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. How observant of you. He must be a prophet. He know everything you've ever done. I mean, she was so shocked that he knew her whole life that she immediately knew he was divine. I mean, Jesus tells the woman of all her sins, the dirt of her past. She's a Samaritan woman. She's a woman of questionable standards. And Jesus still meets her right where she's at and offers her living water. He knows all the empty stuff she's been trying to fill herself with. And he still meets her in the middle of her mess. It wasn't like she confessed that to him. And he was like, oh, I didn't know you did all that. He already knew that coming in. She's been spending her time trying to fill her life with things that satisfy a hole that only Jesus can fill. She's been going to man after man trying to look for her worth and quench a thirst, and it just hasn't worked. But filling yourself with the things of this world can be so intoxicating. I mean, after a bad day, how easy is it for us to just drive to a store and grab a bottle of tequila, go home to the homies, and like pour a bunch of shots and just drink the day away? It's really easy, especially if that's what your community is doing. I bet you might have heard it before, I'm not sure, but I don't know if you know that hard alcohol is actually called a spirit. If you let that be the thing that intoxicates you and gives you meaning, that will only bring you a hungover soul. If alcohol isn't your vice, that's fine. I bet you have a different one. What spirits have you been intoxicating yourself with? If it's not alcohol, maybe you've been intoxicated by the spirit of materialism. Thinking that if you buy the newest iPhone every, tone, every time it drops or you have the flyest chain, that somehow will silence the nagging in your, in your spirit, in your head, that says that you're not enough. Do your things hold the influence over your self-worth? Intoxication is defined as being under the influence. Are you influenced by a spirit of laziness or a lack of discipline to pick up your scripture and try to get close to God? You'll spend five hours in front of the TV playing video games, but you can't have the attention span to spend 15 minutes trying to dig into God's word and understand more about his heart. Are you under the influence of distraction? Are you under the influence and intoxicated by the spirit of self-idolatry? You might spend all of your time on your image, spending three hours to get ready every day to take a picture for Instagram, which you then spend an hour editing, which you then post, but you haven't taken a moment to even thank God for the platform you, you have that you're wasting building a photo museum of yourself. We look at children of Israel who erected golden calves and we're like, that's stupid. But we have phones filled with 50 photos that were taken in the span of three minutes. This used to be a prayer posture. And now it's been replaced as a post posture. Have you replaced your prayer time with this device? Alcohol, distraction, self-idolatry, anything else you are filling yourself with will never be enough. No other spirit is enough to satisfy 
You need the Holy Spirit. The only spirit that leads you into a deeper relationship with God. The only spirit that can lead you to a spring where there's living water. And it can show you how it can flow out of your heart. It can fill the deep parts of yourself. And you can wake up and try to stop filling the dead things with other things. You need living water that will quench the eternal thirst that you have. Jesus keeps going. And the woman, they have this conversation. And she goes, right, she's... She's a little embarrassed at this point. I would be embarrassed if Jesus just told me everything I ever did. He's, she's like, so tell me. Why is it that you Jews in, insist that Jerusalem's the only place you can worship? Why? When do, we, when do we start talking about this? When do we start talking about worship? She was like, okay, I'm going to distract you from that. And then Jesus keeps pressing into her heart, okay? We go into verse 22, and Jesus is like, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, okay? We already talked about that they mix their religion with other pagan things. And Jesus is like, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. Literally, he's standing in front of her. It's right here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's a very important part of the verse. In spirit and in truth. This is how we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus in spirit, in our hearts, in the deepest parts of ourselves. And in truth, having integrity, and letting your inner life be a reflection of your outer life, and not just looking holy on the outside. Notice who, he says, those who worship... They must, he didn't say, those who worship must worship in perfection. Those who worship must know the Bible front and back. They must do the Bible in a year plan every single year. <laughs> those who worship have to get themselves together first. No, he says, those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Ask yourself, if God is willing to fill the holes in my heart, he has living water waiting for me. And even if I don't know all the things about Christianity or all the things about following Jesus or I don't, have question, I don't have answers to all the questions that people ask me, if all I have to do is follow him in spirit and in truth, what is stopping me? The woman left her water jar beside the well. We pick up in verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She stopped what he was, she was doing to tell everyone. Look at what Jesus did for me. He told me about my old life, and she changed immediately. When Jesus spoke to her, she couldn't help but make an outward expression of what Jesus had stirred up inside of her. She left her water jar and ran to the town. She immediately did it. And this, this right here, this is the place where she had to make a decision. She had to make a decision of whether she was going to just turn around and be like, man, Jesus, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Or she had to accept the living water. This is our time to make a decision. I asked you just, what is stopping you? This is the decision you have to make today to leave your old, stale water jar behind and fill yourself up with living water. This is the time we step away from the junk that our parents handed down to us it's the time where we step away from the generational hurts, the pains, the past, the old, the bad choices we made, the vices we've used to intoxicate ourselves, and step into our calling as children of God. 
The reason she no longer needed that stale water jar is because Jesus gave her water that flowed out of her heart. So when she left her water jar, she ran to the town to tell others, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Emphasis on the did. She left her old life behind and made a public declaration that Jesus had changed her. And so the way we do that, the way we leave our old water jar behind is we get baptized. That's why Jesus showed it to us as an example of getting baptized and showing everyone in the town that we follow Jesus. And Easter is coming up. This is a great time to get baptized. (laughs) Every campus at Grace Family Church, all seven campuses, we've got service going from Friday to Sunday this weekend, and you have the opportunity to get baptized. You have the opportunity to leave your old behind and show everyone that you belong to a God who didn't need you to get clean first, but he came to you in the middle of your mess. He knows everything you ever did, and you can follow him anyway. So I just want everybody to bow their heads right now. And if you need this water and you're tired of filling your life with other things that just cause you more pain, I want to pray that Jesus would enter your life. So if you could, with every head bowed and every eye closed to, to respect the moment, if you could just raise your hand and say that I need living water. I need more than what this world has for me. I want all of us to pray this together as a family to welcome those who are, who are coming to see Jesus for the first time. Everyone say, Lord Jesus. I believe that you died for my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take control of my life and fill me with your living water. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. And I just want to say one other prayer for the person that may have already accepted Jesus into his heart but they've been walking away from him. The living water in their souls have dried up and and you don't feel it anymore, but you wanna turn around and get back closer to him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna see those people. Use this opportunity to rededicate yourself to following towards Jesus. Thank you, and I just wanna say one more prayer. God, I thank you so much for everybody in the room right now who decided that they wanna follow after you or who decided that they wanna come back to you, God. I pray that you would honor their commitment and you would reorient their focus in the right direction. I pray that if they've been going in the wrong direction, God, that you would reroute them like a spiritual GPS, but you would send them into their purpose, that you would send them into the plan that you have for them. And God, I pray that you would make it abundantly clear what places in their life that they need to give up, the places in their life that they might have been filling with other things that aren't you, that aren't of you, that might be taking them away from you, God. And I pray that you would just bless this commitment that they've made and remind them of it on a daily basis. I thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.